0: You're listening to the Neighbors and Nations Podcast. Well, welcome to this episode of Neighbors and Nations. I'm Todd Stiles, your host, and I'm super glad you're listening today to hear my conversation with Pastor Eric Trout. Eric pastors in Adele, Iowa. He's the pastor at Restoration Church, a church he just planted in the fall of 2019. Eric spent a year with us here at First Family Church as a resident, and it was a real privilege to get to know him then, and know his family and his wife. Uh, and by the way, he wins the best beard competition hands down. But far more important than that is the story he's going to share with us uh, on several fronts. I think the first one about his conversion will really surprise you, it's just delightful. We'll talk about that, and we'll also discuss how he keeps both local and global missions in front of his people, how to keep a finger on the pulse of your church's neighbors, and in fact, how their adoption journey helped him pastor and be pastored. Lots more as well, and I think you'll hear loud and clear Eric's unique ability to balance both small-town needs with big-world vision. So let's dive right into my conversation with Eric, pastor of Restoration Church, and thanks again for listening to the Neighbors and Nations podcast. Well, welcome Eric to uh, the Neighbors and Nations podcast, man. Good to have you on board today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: You're all the way out there in Adel, Iowa. Yeah, yeah. What are you? Six months into this lead pastor role?
1: Sure. Yeah. So the the first half of that uh, was in the midst of the summer, and so we had people all over the place, and uh, we're preparing to launch the church, and so just meeting once a month, and so now in the back half of that six months things are definitely different because now we're meeting weekly and uh, a consistent group of people.
0: Well, I love what you're doing out there and just really thankful for you and proud of you. You know, one thing I love about you, Eric, and I love about your story is that here you are now pastoring uh, in this rural town in Iowa, growing town, but you know, you didn't grow up with a silver spoon in your mouth. You weren't like this pastor's kid who was in church your whole life and just kind of fell into it. I mean, you were a lost pagan high schooler, right? Sure, and God, sure, brought, God yeah. brought you to himself. Tell me that story. I love it. I just love how God put you in a place where there was a church who had a, a heart for its neighbors.
1: Yeah, so I uh, grew up in an unbelieving home uh, in a small community, much like Adel. Um, and, and so the small town aspect uh, resonates with me uh, for sure. Uh, but when I was in high school, I was chasing a girl uh, who happened to be a pastor's daughter. And so the prerequisite was, hey, if you're going to date my daughter, you have to be in church and uh, had very little church experience uh, before that was not, um, was not following Jesus uh, by any means. And so in the midst of that and through, uh, through that group of friends that I began spending time with, uh, ended up at a, a youth event uh, where I clearly heard the gospel and God saved me and every, everything's
0: been different since that point. And did it change pretty quickly for you in that situation?
1: Yes and no. Uh, th- I mean, there were definitely aspects that did change uh, immediately, but still not understanding what it means to follow Jesus uh, and still being in the midst of high school and the uh, same group of friends. You know, there, there was definitely some teeter-tottering and back and forth. Uh, but had a had an older guy who was serving as a youth pastor in my hometown who kind of saw that and uh, through some mutual connections just kind of pulled me in and took me under his wing and taught me how to read the Bible and pray and invited me into his family and just got to watch uh, what it looks like to live a normal uh, life and follow Jesus. So,
0: Wow. That's really great to hear. And You know, just in the time you spent here at our church in that one-year residency, I can say without a doubt that's kind of what you did for one of our guys who's now leading a small group, you know. Sure. Isn't that interesting? you kind of to pass on yeah. what you've been given, don't you? Right. So how do you think um, your story and looking back at how God saved you in that small town and through those efforts of that church that really just saw its role and its place in that town among its neighbors, how do you think that plays into your heart for the town in which you live and where you pastor?
1: I think for me, uh, a sense of community is very, uh, a very strong and needed thing. Um, and so I've always been, any any place that I've lived or done ministry or, or not done ministry, like I've essentially been all in uh, wherever I am uh, within that community. And so in in what we're doing now in having essentially transplanted to Iowa, it would be very easy to be seen as outsiders who are just kind of parachuting in and trying to plant this church and solve the community's problems. Uh, But instead, what it actually looks like is somebody who moved here for a very intentional purpose, but yet is an integral part of the community, participating in community activities, not as a pastor seeking to uh, hoodwink people into their church, but seeking to just love and care for the people that live here.
0: Mm, There's some real nuggets there. Let's just pause there for a minute and kind of peel back your chest cavity for a bit. I mean, when you, you were living in southern Illinois, correct? Yep. You and your wife Anna and your kids, and and so you take this call to plant a church in Adele, Iowa. Yeah, how scary is that when you think about moving to a small town and you're going to be the new guy, the outsider? That's a good point you made.
1: What's that like? This move was definitely different than any other move that we had made before. Uh, so I, I did. I served in youth ministry for a little over twelve years before uh, moving to Iowa, and so we we did move a little bit. But each time that we moved, we were moving specifically to join the staff of an existing church. And so it was a natural way already. Hey, here's this group of people that you're going to be ministering to. And so you immediately have relationships that are being formed. When you move to a location to start something that doesn't exist, uh, that's a little bit different. A little bit?
0: That's probably a lot different. a little
1: bit. And in some ways, in some ways, a scary situation because it's not just Anna and I who are doing that. We have young kids who are a part of that as well. And so they have to make that transition. They're moving away from friends. They're going into a new school district. Uh, So there's a lot of newness for them as well. And we just saw time and time again through this whole process, God just affirming where he was calling us to, and what he was calling us to do by just providing people along the way who had been here, who had uh, previous relationships with other people. I I mean, even just just thinking about a family who uh, was a a part of our launch team and our leadership at Restoration Church who had a relationship with you 17 years ago, you know, and God just being faithful to bring those things together in his timing, you know, that was an
0: amazing thing. You're right.
1: Right, right, and and in a big way, what could be a very scary situation was actually a really easy transition for us.
0: I and mean, that's great to hear. And you know, when we were out there, Julie and I were out there for the Sweet Corn Festival, right? Remember that? Yeah. If you don't right. know what the Sweet Corn Festival is, you got to look that up. It's awesome. But we came out there. Your church had had a booth there on the square of the town. And you know, I would have never, if I had not known you, I would have never thought that you had just moved to town a year ago, that you had, uh, you were considered an outsider because you were so integrated mm-hmm. and you were shaking hands and meeting people and, you know, patting backs. I mean, um, I thought you were running for office for a little while there, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But here you talk today about uh, integrating and being part of the community as a citizen. Man, that's such an important element when you think about reaching neighbors because it's not yeah. just like you're presenting – a sales presentation. It's not like the is something right. that you open up your briefcase, here's the three-step plan, whatever. But you're right. It's, sure. it's getting to be part of the town of their life and, and getting their trust. I mean, you've done that really well out there. I'm really proud of you. That's good insight you yeah. gave us. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, there's more than neighbors, obviously. I mean, as a pastor, you know, uh, we have this Acts 1-8 mandate. It's mm-hmm. both and, right? It's neighbors and right. nations. Right. Do you find it a constant balancing act to keep both of those in front of your people?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. You, you know, if you just go with the, the adage that people are more likely to get behind a cause or give money to something if there's a picture that they can associate with it. right? And so when you're talking about neighbors and nations, well, they see their neighbors all the time. But the nations are these distant countries in other places where I'm not always seeing that. And so so it is this balancing act of it's really easy for, you know, a, as a pastor, all of our illustrations to be focused on right where we're at and sometimes forget to bring in, hey, there's a world around us that, you know, in a lot of ways doesn't have access to the gospel like we have access. And so if we're not consistently communicating those things and putting those things in front of our people. It's really easy for those things to just be lost in the mix.
0: Yeah. I love that word access. You use, you know, a lot of folks will use the word need, but I think need is universal, but you're right. right, Access isn't Yeah, it's a really good point. Are there some strategies or best practices, even beyond the idea of keeping a picture in front of your people, but are there other maybe best practices that you find that work well to, to kind of strike this balance with your, with your people there?
1: One thing that we do, and, and this is this is a part of who we are at our core, so, so we have a, a strategy within our church uh, to fulfill the mission that God has called us to, and, it, and it's to love God and love people, to live on mission, and to lead people to Jesus. And so when we talk about the second aspect of that strategy, when we talk about living on mission, well, what does that mean? And, and we articulate it in the way that God has in his Holy spirit, giving us the power to live on mission and be a part of his kingdom and what he's doing, where we are and beyond
0: Mm, where we are and beyond. Okay.
1: It doesn't just stay where we're at on a daily basis. There's something beyond what we're doing. And so we even, we even communicate that as we're talking about uh, being a part of the network that we're a part of, you know, being a part of the sin network, we're a part of something bigger then what's just happening is we're planting Restoration Church in Adel. We're a part of things that are happening across the state of Iowa, across uh, our country, and around the world. And so even just this past Sunday, uh, we showed a video as a part of our international missions uh, endeavor to, to raise money during the month of December for international missionaries. We showed a video that very much put in front of our people that there are missionaries who are stationed in other places that we would, we would classify as dark areas. Uh, and they have a very high risk percentage as they live their daily life trying to take the gospel to their neighbors uh, that we don't experience every day. And so whatever we can do from here to partner with them and help them take the gospel into those dark areas is us living on mission beyond where we are right now.
0: That's good. that kind of really flows into the idea of what you're saying. You just keep a picture in front of them then, whether it's a video, yeah. whether it's uh, inconsistent verbiage, common language. Just, I, he- I hear you saying we keep a constant picture in front of them. So, so I've got a question for you about small towns then and about that. Because okay. as I hear you talk, it sounds like your people are pretty open to, to what's even outside of their town. But, you know, small towns are kind of known. The word on the street is they're not really that way a lot. Like they're small sure. for a reason. Sure. Everybody knows your sure. business, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You experienced there at restoration a closed mindedness at times to like what's outside of Adele, like a resistance per se, or are you finding it different than that?
1: I don't think that we experience the resistance that we maybe thought we would.
0: I'm glad to hear that. That's good.
1: Be, because there there is very much a small town element here where we're at, but we're also relatively close to the Des Moines metro area. And because we're so close. Uh, you know, I mean, Des Moines isn't one of the most diverse cities in the United States, although there is a pocket of diversity. And so people who work in the Des Moines metro area, they encounter that in different ways. And, And we've had people who are moving to Adel out from the metro. And so they're bringing some of that here with them. And so when we talk about when we talk about doing missions and partnering in other locations around our nation and around the world, uh, people are actually more receptive to those things than we maybe initially thought they would be because it is such a small community.
0: Yeah, and that's interesting because what you're finding is that people then that move to Adel from a larger area bring with them the mindset, even though their location then is now in a small place, their mindset isn't right. small per se. You know, that's right. Well, good for you. I'm glad to hear that. Well, tell me some things you've seen God do in your ministry late, uh, lately. What's, what's some current stories that I mean, we could rejoice with you in as you are you know, seeking to reach neighbors and nations?
1: I mean, just in a, in a relatively short time, we, we've seen God save people, um, and, and we've, we've had the opportunity to celebrate with baptisms. Uh, even just in the first three months of the existence of our church, uh, it's just been really fun to, to watch those things happen. But at the same time, uh, you know, because I think those are really easy things to celebrate. Like, oh, yeah, God saved that person. And we had to baptize them and rejoice with them. It's really easy to celebrate those things. But it's a little bit harder to celebrate just a small movement towards interest, mm. towards the gospel, you know. Uh, and we've also seen that, that because, uh, you know, we, we've had people that we've connected with over Uh, our time living in this community who are now more receptive to the gospel than when we first moved here. And they're beginning to ask the questions. They're beginning to start the conversation and try to figure out like, why in the world would you move from Illinois to here? Like who moves to Adel, right? Like, It it seems natural. (laughs) It seems natural to move 20 minutes West to get out of the busyness of the Metro, you know, and move into a smaller community, but you moved, multiple states, you know, away, uh, cause, cause we had some people that moved from Kentucky with us, uh, you know, and so we moved to this small community, like why? And so just being able to have those conversations with those people and for them to see, and, and this goes back to the, to the neighboring thing, they are willing to have the conversation with us because they don't view us as a flash in the pan are trying to fix all of the community's problems and then leave they've watched mm. us come get in the trenches with them and be involved in city meetings community festivals the school district uh you know uh we, we have we have people that are um you know involved in girl scouts and uh just um you know like intramural recreation leagues and all of these that we have people we're intricately involved in our community, and because of that, we're seeing those conversations grow with people who either haven't been in church for a really long time, um, that we would refer to as de-churched, mm-hmm. or people who just have no connection with the church at all. Those are actually the people that we're growing with and having more conversations Amen. with that that we really want to highlight and celebrate.
0: And I love hearing how your, your fingers on the pulse of your community. And you're not trapped in the four walls of your office, but you know, yeah, I hear you say, yeah, man, right. I, I, wanna, I know what's happening in people who are looking at our church from a distance, like your neighbors. And boy, I hear you saying, yeah. neighbors want to know that you're there to stay. Right. And you know that's, um, that's really good to hear in, in an age in which perhaps church plantings right now, at least currently, kind of trendy. And if sure. it doesn't work in the first three years, someone may be right. looking for something else. It's good to hear you talking right. about, hey, we're here to stay. We want to be part of your life. That's what neighbors are looking for, isn't it? Right. Yeah, that's great, man. Let's talk for a minute, if we could, just about one thing God's done recently. I know it's been a real rough road, so I want to be sensitive here and just let you share what you want to share. But I know you have a real heart for adoption. Tell me, you mean, you can share what you want to about that. But I'm curious also, how's God? How God has used that maybe in your pastoring there in that small town? Because I suspect a lot of folks in that town probably know what happened and what went down. Sure. Yeah. How's God used that in your outreach or your pastoring?
1: Yeah, so we we started the the journey towards adoption uh al- almost 3 years ago. Uh w- which is just crazy to think that we've been in that journey uh for that long. Um and and we did we we had we had a connection with a birth mom this year and and had been walking with her and um what what we believed was a growing relationship and a connection uh, and just to, just to keep, you know, to keep it short, she just couldn't make a definitive decision. And so having walked with her for basically her entire pregnancy, and then even weeks after the child was born, uh, she just couldn't make a definitive decision. And so we felt like God was releasing us from uh, what was leading towards a, a very toxic relationship. Um but even in feeling peace about God removing us from that situation, it was very difficult to to process all of that because it had been such an emotional roller coaster for, uh, specifically for Anna and I, uh, and in some ways, in some ways for our kids. And so, you know, we, we've spent time uh, talking with other pastors and friends and counselors and and all these things. And so not, not to make light of, of anything, th- this is a very different situation that compared to other situations, but we've identified it as PTSD from the indirect loss of a child. Uh, that we had a child that we believed was ours and we had held him, we had cared for him, uh, we had loved him, and then he was taken away from us. And so, for us to have to emotionally process all of that, what does that look like? You know, and even now, still being in in the season of, hey, we thought this Christmas season was going to look a lot different for us, Mm. and it doesn't. Mm. You know, and so trying to figure out how do we take that next step? How do we move forward? You know, we can't just sweep this under the rug like it didn't happen and just move on. And so, trying to process all of that, and in the midst of that, I believe that that God was was teaching us and growing us again in an indirect way of what it means to suffer for us to, to experience the loss of, of someone mm. because in the midst of that, in the midst of all of that, what that was going on, we had multiple families within our church who lost family members to different illnesses and whatever. And so we, we had a very close present connection with them to walk through that with Mm. them because we had just lost someone as well. Um, and so, so even in the midst of what seems like a very dark situation, uh, you know, a, a failed adoption, God's goodness still shines through all of that.
0: So as a pastor, you're able to comfort with the comfort that you've experienced. That's kind of what I hear you saying. Right. Well, wow, what a neighborly approach that is. What a, what a beautiful story to hear you talk about just the community that God surrounded you with. I mean, to think, you know, a little more than a year ago, you were an outsider, and now you're walking yeah. with these people through a, a really low time for you and Anna. Well, man, I want you to know, you and I both were really praying for you both. Our church was, and um, I'm not sure what to say sometimes. I mean, it's just it's hard to process all that, but, man, yeah. we do love you sure. guys, and we're praying for you on that deal. Interesting how God uses so many things in our pastoring that you don't learn about perhaps in seminary. There's no class in seminary about loss in adoption and how that works in your ministry, (laughs) you know, right. Uh, Speaking of seminary, I mean, just kind of ask you this question off the cuff, if I could, I know you come from a seminary where they have a real heart for the nations. And one thing I've really appreciated about you is you embrace both neighbors and nations real well. Like you say, you have a heart for a small town, but yet being from Southeastern, I mean, they they want to send to all the nations, right? Right. It's interesting how God put you on that path. I think talk to us about that. Like, how did seminary really affect your heart for the nations?
1: So for a long time, for me, in the midst of youth ministry, I I had a really poor view of seminary, not wanting to go because you know if you just go to seminary, like you, you just become this high intellectual person that nobody wants to have conversations with. And <laughs> let's be honest, junior high and high school students don't care about the original language and what it means and all those kind of stuff, you know? Uh, and so- was the like, next pizza party,
0: right? The,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so over the years, like God really grew me in a way that I realized, here's a couple of reasons why I need to go to seminary. One, I felt like in my undergraduate, I wasn't challenged the way that I needed to be. And so to go in higher education I'm going to receive some challenging things that maybe I haven't dealt with before. Two uh is that I felt like I don't know what this is going to look like but God is growing us towards something different. Uh and so I started seminary in 2015 and God didn't call us and confirm a call to planting until 2017. Mm-hmm. So it was 2 years later Uh, But yet, even in the midst of that, preparing us for what that was, what that was going to look like. And so, so in wrestling with seminaries and and what are those options? um, Yeah, just my love for the nations led me to Southeastern Seminary. Um, It's, it's everything that they're about. And their motto is that every classroom on campus is a great commission classroom. And so you don't go into a into a a seminary class at Southeastern seeking to grow intellectually only in a specific topic. Every, it's not just your evangelism classes Mm. where your professors are checking in on you. Hey, are you regularly sharing the gospel? It's every class that you're a part of because this is your life. Mm. This is what God has called you to. So going to seminary and in a higher education uh, is a good tool to help you do that because now I feel like within that intellectual sphere I can have conversations with people that I probably couldn't have had conversations with before but yet you know bring, bring it all together growing up in a small town uh, God saving me at a later age and now having this higher education I'm able to have conversations with multiple groups of people in different spheres
0: I see that yeah
1: Yeah, and so God's just been good and gracious in that, Um, and, you know, being entrenched at Southeastern for, you know, two years just absolutely grows your love for the nations and taking the
0: gospel around the world. There's something in there for churches, as you said, about every class being a, uh, you know, being focused on this great commission. I mean, in in essence, Mm -hmm. that's what we as pastors in our churches, you know, there may be different ministries, right? Right. Different areas, but man, everything's as I said a few weeks ago, every ladder must lean against that wall. Right. I appreciate that so much. Eric, there may be some pastors listening or even maybe some uh, folks listening that might want to connect with you in some way, maybe about some of these experiences or about your, your, the adoption situation or just about, you know, Adele. who knows who's listening from there. Maybe Uh, how could folks connect with you?
1: Yeah. Um, I'm, on all social media p- platforms, uh, see, really, you can find. Me, yeah, you can <laughs> you can find me on Facebook. I'm just trying to be a good millennial.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, see you can find me on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Eric Trout 86. Um, and then you can also um, just look for us uh, on our church website, restorationadel.church. Church. Um, and then my email is Eric at Restoration
0: Man, it's been great chatting with you. Thanks for your openness and honesty, Uh, man. I love you guys. And I'm thankful for how God's given you a heart for both neighbors and nations. Let's stay at the task together. Okay. Yeah. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Good talking to you today. Yeah. You too. Thanks for listening to the Neighbors and Nations podcast. To learn more about how to support this podcast and our partners, go to toddstyles.net slash podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app.